If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. Where do you put your confidence? Is it in Jesus who said he was the way, the truth, and the life? Or is it in the world and its deceptions? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers the importance and the challenge of believing with assurance while living in a culture of cynicism. From the series, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, here's David with today's message, Stay Confident. Well, we thank you for joining us today. We are um, moving through this wonderful uh, scenario of messages on how to live with confidence in a chaotic world. You think that might be for today? Um, I guess maybe the best word you could use to describe um, what's going on today is chaos, and it is affecting everything that we do. Um, Friends, I have some stories I could tell you, but I don't have time to do it. The world in which we live is not the world in which we lived. It's a different world. It's a chaotic world. But we can be victorious if we don't forget from whence comes our help, and that's the Scripture. When you find yourself craving a sure thing— to which to cling to, you'll find that the Bible is the one word of truth. When you're in the need of a sure, serious, systematic, sensitive word of encouragement, where do you go? You go to God's word, and always you will find it. The more you love God's word, the greater your peace, and you have his promise that you will not stumble. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 2 is the passage we're studying. Find your place there in the Bible. Get something to write with. Take a few notes. And let's begin our study of what it means to stay confident as we learn how to live with confidence in a chaotic world. Today we continue our series of messages on living with confidence in a chaotic world. And this is message number seven, and I want to talk with you today about how you can maintain your confidence, how you can stay confident during these very traumatic days. Bill Maher is best known as the host of nighttime television talk shows. The name of the show, Politically Incorrect, well, it pretty well sums up his tone, his personality, and most of the time even his subject matter. He's a stand-up comedian, as you know, and he's pretty well known for his acid tongue and for his criticism of everything that's traditional, especially anything that has to do with faith. But back in 2008, Marr added to his resume by writing and starring in a documentary film called Religious. His stated goal was to attack religion, especially Christianity and its belief in the Bible. He presented this film with a sarcastic tone and with his determined effort to make fun of everything that is sacred, everything that we believe to be important He denigrates in his film and in all the commentary that goes around it. Bill Maher is, however, not the first skeptic in history to doubt the veracity of the Bible. And he won't be the last, but he is certainly 
a symptom of something the apostle Peter wrote about nearly 2,000 years ago. He said in 2 Peter 3, 3, scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts. Having been raised in the church as a young person, Bill Maher also fits the description of some the apostle Paul predicted would come. 1 Timothy 4.1, he wrote, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Now my prediction, though it is not divinely inspired, is that we haven't seen anything yet when it comes to the criticism of the Bible and our faith. There will be more biblical skeptics to join Bill Maher's critical chorus against the Bible and against the faith. The warning for true Christians is not the skeptics are coming, but that they have a well-publicized public platform now, and their voices enter the ears of believers through the media. Christians, therefore, must be prepared, as 1 Peter gives us this information, to always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We must always be ready. It is no time for us to get ready after we hear the criticism because it's out there right now and it's aimed at all of us who believe the scripture. One man who has learned to do just that, defend his faith with meekness and fear, started down a road not unlike Bill Mars, the road of scathing skepticism of the Bible's authority. Pius Jindal, better known as Bobby Jindal, he is the first Indian American elected to statewide office in U.S. history. Governor Jindal's story captured national imagination for a variety of reasons, helping to rebuild a state devastated by storm and flood. Jindal understands the idea of a public crisis. He was born and raised a Hindu, converted to Christianity after a careful reading of the Bible. It began a spiritual journey to Christ that he describes as gradual and painful. Yet Jindal first picked up the word with ulterior motives. He, not unlike Bill Maher, had skepticism in his heart. He wanted to disprove a faith. He wanted to prove that it was not true. And this is the familiar story we often hear in Christianity. The skeptic who is ultimately converted by following an investigative trail. Jindal was expecting to find, as he studied the Bible, a pack of lies and myths. But something happened as he opened his New Testament. Its pages were like a mirror. He wrote, I saw myself in many of the parables. Jesus seemed to be speaking across the centuries to me, telling stories written just for me. His curiosity was now in overdrive, and Bobby Jindal began to seek out works about the historic accuracy of the Bible. To his own surprise, he found himself convinced that here were sacred words that had traveled with integrity throughout 2,000 years. First-hand accounts of the ultimate miracle, God in human form. It was intellectually impossible to deny, he said, that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead and then ascended to heaven. But he said, my perspective remained intellectual and not spiritual. He said, I was shaken by what I found but I was unwilling to give in to what my mind told me was the real thing. But after many hours of counseling with a patient pastor, he finally embraced his new Lord and Savior. Bobby Jindal is an emblem of his era. 
an emblem that's changing its focus. The New York Times reported on a change in the interest of college students. After decades of obsession with the more practical curriculum, many young scholars now are gravitating toward courses in philosophy. According to their own words, they're feeling a deep need to make sense out of the world, and they're finding that contemporary thinkers and leaders give them no ultimate answers. Therefore, they're digging into the wisdom of the writers from distant centuries. We Christians believe there is only one of these ancient texts that is eternally relevant. The pressing questions of our past, present, and future are all answered by this book because you see the scriptures, like Christ, are eternal. They're authoritative yesterday, today, and forever. This book, these words, this scripture speaks to us authoritatively. It explains life, but it also gives us strength and comfort to live life. Perhaps greater than anything we have talked about so far in this long series of messages that will give you confidence in a chaotic time, this is that source. It is the Bible to which we turn when things seem to be upside down in our lives. Now let me just say to you today, men and women, that in the history of human experience, there is nothing like this book. This Bible is no ordinary volume. It's composed of 66 shorter books written by some 40 different authors over many centuries. It's a kind of a multi-century anthology with no earthly reason to explain its perfect unity. It is incredible that this book should speak with one voice or that all of its various sections, chapters and verses should hold such power over human lives after several millennia. There's no explanation for any of this unless it is indeed what it claims to be and that is the eternal word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm convinced that this miraculous book provides an accurate account of history and the only account of the future. We need this message, this life-changing message as we've never needed it before in these days. Beth Moore perhaps the most highly recognized teacher of women in our country today, in one of her books writes that we should desire a steady diet of Scripture because of what it says about itself. She says that the Bible claims to be living and active. This is no dusty ancient document she wrote with a lingering passage or two of some interest. The Greek word for living, according to Beth Moore, suggests that the word of God comes to us teeming with life. She concludes that if we believe this, if we accept that it is God-breathed, we might actually say that every breath comes to us still warm from the mouth of God, just as if he had said it. I kind of wish I had written that. That's really good stuff, Beth. And that's true. That's what the Bible is. When you open this book, you're not just opening a book. When you read the Bible, you are doing more than just reading words. You are not simply taking in information. You are taking in life warm from the breath of God. And you're not studying the works of dead writers, but you're hearing the voice of the living Lord. And when this world is in crisis and up seems down and right seems wrong, this book holds the answers that you need. You and I should inhabit its pages more fully than we reside in our houses. 
We should consume the truth of this book as surely as we eat the food on our tables. When there's no other visible source of confidence, we can stay confident in the word of God. When you come to the New Testament and you begin to understand how this book was passed on to us, you meet significant people. Timothy was a young man, for instance, with an uphill struggle before him. His mentor, the apostle Paul, had left him in Ephesus, a very difficult place to guide its church. And that was not going to be an easy task. Paul understood the encouragement that his young protege needed. Sitting in prison shortly before his execution by the Romans, Paul could have used a little encouragement himself. But he didn't worry about himself. This wise and godly man by this late season of his life wasn't given to self-pity. Always looking out for others, always abounding in the joy of God's work, he wrote a letter to young Timothy to help him stay focused on the task that he had been given. This letter carries an urgency that stands out among all the New Testament epistles. It is kind of like what Jesus must have felt in the upper room. Paul recognized that time was short and the stakes were high for the kingdom of Christ. You see, Ephesus was a cultural melting pot in which people, often even believers, were becoming more worldly every day. And God's inspired word was being trivialized. So Paul wrote to Timothy these words, and let me just read them to you from the text. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Listen to these words. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Notice as you read from the book, the first little phrase that gets your attention is this one. Timothy, I charge you. This is used on six other occasions in the scripture and it always is the beginning of a clear and urgent command. Even without the charge, these words would have carried the same weight, but the extra notice and the extra importance of it is given by this little phrase, I charge you. If we were to put that in our language today, we would say, listen here, you guys, listen very carefully. This next thing I'm about to say, it's really important. And then he says, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing. And you begin to sense the solemnity in the words of Paul as he instructs this young preacher and as he fashions this word of counsel. Now, the first century when this letter to Timothy was written is not very different from our century today. Like the city of Ephesus, our culture subjects the word of God to a great deal of scorn and ridicule, and we've illustrated that at the beginning of this message. In 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4, Paul wrote in this same letter these words, time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. We live in an age of 10,000 competing voices, do we not? 
all of them tantalizing, all of them designed to scratch the itching ears of the directionalist people in our society. It seems like every day people invent new religions. If Paul were writing in our era, he might call them ear candy. (laughs) They sound sweet. They look good, but they have no nutritional value whatsoever. Just think about the books that ride the bestseller list, each of them offering some new, suspiciously convenient way to find truth and meaning and purpose without even breaking a sweat. Listen to the gurus who populate the talk shows, and you'll notice that the trendy new religions play to the ego while making almost no demands on obedience or sacrifice. Pluralism and tolerance are the watchwords of the day, but all they create is more turmoil, not more peace. All the answers people seek are in the word of God where they've awaited us for 2,000 years, but today the masses would rather have their ears tickled than have their souls renewed. And long before Paul, the prophet Amos warned, behold, he said, the days are coming that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. Kind of a strange sort of famine, is it not? Someone has said the problem's not with the corn, but with the ears. (laughs) We may well be in the early stages of that famine. For generations, God's word has been at the center of church preaching. I grew up in a home where I went to church every Sunday and most of the time every Wednesday, and it was always about and from the word of God. You would not ever think of going to church without your Bible. Today, even in the major faith communities, questioning scriptural authority is the mainstay. Popular speakers advocate processing God's word through cultural filters of the day rather than the other way around. We once understood that we don't stand in judgment of the Bible, but the Bible stands in judgment of us. But many today are airbrushing the word of God, and they make it palatable to those who go in for spirituality that costs nothing except the cover price of a bestseller. Instead of being conformed to the image of Christ, we want to conform his image and everything else in Scripture to our sad conditions. 30 years ago, people were saying, if it feels good, do it. Today, it's more subtle. We say, if it sounds good, believe it. (laughs) When we are trying to figure out how on earth we can live in confidence in this crazy, chaotic, mixed-up world, we ought to be running to the Bible and not running away from it, as many are doing. We are like survivors of the Titanic, the great luxury ship, floating helplessly on the tides. At that boat's launch, even an employee of the White Star Line boasted not even God himself could sink this ship. No matter how modern and luxurious the ship was, however, you know, you've seen the movie, it went down, and its passengers were left scrambling for scraps of wood to keep them afloat. That's kind of a picture of you and me right now. Our culture of prosperity seemed to be an unsinkable vessel but it's in pieces right now. Though everything else may fail us, God's word never will. Jesus, who calmed the storm and walked across the waves, is still in control. Double-digit unemployment, trillion-dollar debts and bailouts, what are these to one who created every star in the sky? He still reigns, he still speaks, and his word still offers the provision for every need we have in these days. 
So what exactly are these needs? Paul is going to give us a clue. In so many ways, the great apostle is telling Timothy what the church in Ephesus and the church in our own cities needs to hear when the preacher stands up to preach. We often hear this passage taught in pastoral seminars or preaching conferences. But when I read it this time, I got the impression that maybe it was more for the hearers than it was for the preacher. Maybe this is what we need to use as our list of things that the people in our churches need to be hearing and the people who listen to us and watch us on the radio and on television need to be understanding. So what do we need when we open this book? What do we need when we sit in the pews every Sunday? Pastors, what do we need to be offering the people who come to hear us every week? First of all, we need a sure word from God. Paul gives Timothy five commands in this text. Look down at your Bibles and you will see. He says, preach, be ready, convince, rebuke, exhort. Preach, be ready, convince, rebuke, exhort. Remember, Paul is working in a state of urgency and he knows that his ministry is almost complete Even though he still has a fire burning within him for new lands and new souls, he's pretty confident that his major ministry days are finished. In fact, over in the fourth chapter of 2 Timothy and verses 6 and 7, he writes these words, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You can hear the passion in Paul's words. In the previous chapter of this letter, he has spoken to Timothy about truth and the importance of upholding it. He has looked forward to a time when religious leaders will be addicted to pleasure rather than to fellowship with the Father. And now he is saying to Timothy, Timothy, what these people need is to hear the word, a sure word. And he uses the word for preach, which means to proclaim with formality and gravity and authority. It means to preach as if you believed what you were saying. On another occasion, this same apostle referred to what we sometimes call, and what he wrote about, he called it the foolishness of preaching. Because the words that are in the Bible, when they're preached to those who don't know Christ, seem like nonsense to them. The Holy Spirit makes the difference. And when the Holy Spirit takes the word of God that is preached, he makes a difference in the heart of the person who hears. But before the Holy Spirit does his work in the heart of the hearer, the preacher has to deliver the goods. He has to give the word of God. He can't stand in the pulpit and waver. He can't bring a bunch of fun little stories and positive mental attitude stuff. He brings the word of God, and then the Holy Spirit takes that word and makes a difference in the heart of the listener. But without the word of God, you have no place to go. <laughs> That's the simple story. You know, I always tell people that um, we're like computers. Our heart is... The hard drive, the Holy Spirit is is software, and the Holy Spirit needs something on the hard drive to work with. Uh, if you don't have any Bible deposited in your heart, the Holy Spirit has to come to a blank page. Now, the, the Spirit of God is able to do marvelous things, but I do believe that's an accurate uh, an- analogy, that his, 
His work is done best when we have given him a heart full of God's truth. He will guide us into all truth. So, that's one of the secrets to staying confident. We'll have more to say about that tomorrow. I hope you're hanging in there with us. We still have uh, several more um, ideas to investigate. We're going to talk about being consistent, staying consistent, staying committed, and staying convinced as we finish out the month of April together. And speaking of finishing out the month, don't finish out this month and not get the book. That's the resource for the month. Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope and Uncertain Times. This book is now available to you for a gift of any size to Turning Point, but it has to happen during the month of April. When we get to Friday, April the 30th, we will be finished with this resource, and it will no longer be available for uh, any gift. So please take time today. Get your note in the mail. Send your gift. Do what you can. Do the best you can, but do what God wants you to do. It's not about the size of the gift. It's about the size of your heart and how you want to be involved in Turning Point. God understands all that, and we won't discriminate against any gifts. We just want you to know we love you, and we want to invest in you as you invest in us. So ask for your copy of Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, Certain Hope in Uncertain Times. The book will be on its way to you before you know it, and we'll be on our way back here to this microphone tomorrow. See you then. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and start living with a greater certainty in these uncertain times. The book is yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue living with confidence in a chaotic world on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. The comedian Phyllis Diller once said that cleaning your house while your children are still growing is like shoveling the sidewalk while it's still snowing. And she's right. 
Kids and pets make messes. The roof leaks and the appliances break down. If those kinds of things bother you, listen to this verse from Proverbs. Where no oxen are, the trough is clean, but much increase comes by the strength of the ox. We can have a spotless stable and no ox, or a strong ox and a stable to clean, but we can't have a strong ox and a spotless stable. We have to choose. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's way to choose on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.